Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Jared Sachinsky, lead singer of the band Parade Grounds. Fresh off an EP released last July called The Wait, hear Jared chat with Matt about how he got his start in music. Also hear him discuss his experiences performing in New York, how children have affected his music and his writing, and the music video shoot for the title track of his new EP. Also addressing Jared's major inspirations and some plans for the future of the band, here's presenting Matt Storm and Jared Suchinski. And welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. My guest this week is Jared from Parade Grounds. Um, I first heard Parade Grounds at the Waystation, um, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me tonight, Jared. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, so I guess we'll start by chatting a little bit about your two EPs that came out in um, 2015, the most recent one, of course, being the self-titled Parade Grounds. Um, how long was was all of this music in the works? Were both EPs kind of planned to come out in 2015? Were you guys working on them for a while? When did the recording process kind of start for, for both EPs, especially the, the most recent one? So, the, well, the first one, I don't know if things are maybe ill labeled on uh, like Spotify or something like that or where they might be. The first one was released in 2012, I want to, I, I think, the Parade Ground self-titled uh, record. It's uh, like a seven-track, sort of a little longer than an EP. Mm-hmm. And then I just released The Weight, which is a three-song, more traditional three-song EP. Gotcha. Um, My apologies, then. Yeah, they are mislabeled. Um, I think, yeah, for whatever whatever happened when I put them up and went to the digital distribution, it kind of grouped it all together and, you know, just put it out that way for some reason. Um, So, all the, to answer your question, anyway, the, the first record was Something that I, there was a couple of songs in there that I had been kicking around for a while, and that first record, the self-titled one, kind of came out of uh, frustration of you know kind of being indebted to working with other people, other singers. That was the those are like the first songs that I've ever wrote as uh, as a primary songwriter and uh, you know, frontman, if you you know will, of a band. You know my Experience comes from playing guitar in multiple bands and sort of collaborating with a vocalist and then building up from there. Um, And then maybe you could relate as you get a little older, it gets a little more difficult to, you know, get a group of people together or be reliant on other people. And it just sort of stemmed out of a frustration of, not finding that group of people. And then I said to myself, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it myself and try it out and 
you know, see where it takes me. And uh, that was the first EP, um, the self-titled. And then the most recent, The Weight, uh, a couple of those songs surfaced, like, while we were touring uh, to prom- to promote the first EP. Um, and then the, the actually the title track is sort of an older song that we had been playing for a while, uh, The Weight, but haven't recorded. Uh, and then the two other tunes on the record, Ends of Them and Lost and Alone, were written, you know, shortly before that was that was tracked. And so, um, uh, Parade Grounds, give me like a little history about um, you as a musician and kind of how Parade Grounds came to be as a band. Uh, so, I mean, I started playing the guitar when I was probably like 13 years old. Uh, a lot of Neil Young and, you know, Zeppelin and, and stuff of that, Pink Floyd, that was kind of, I was like a classic rock nerd when I was a kid, sort of mm-hmm. a little behind the curve of <laughs> what was happening, but I just, you know, I don't know, my parents, that was their record collection, and I really loved it. You know, I'd sit down and I'd listen to those records when they were gone, and whenever I had a chance to. Um, so that sort of like informed my my early guitar playing, uh, and then, you know, kind of being a kid of like the grunge era, you know, I started listening to, you know, bands like Nirvana, Foo Fighters, and Sure, you know, picking up on Pearl Jam, like Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains, and like those were, you know, heavy influences on some of the bands that I started in high school and then carried out through college. Um, Parade Grounds actually, like I said, came out of a frustration of dealing with other people, and it actually was pretty much born after uh, I had like I auditioned for this group called Delta Spirit. Um, right before, or right after they put out their second record. Uh, a friend of mine that I worked with was buddies with a couple of the guys in the band, and they had been looking for a guitar player. And I managed to, you know, say that I was the person that they should hire and kind of met them a couple of times. And, um, you know, I would say... Three months after meeting them, uh, the singer, Matt, called me, and uh, I, w- I flew out there with a one-way ticket uh, ready to audition and then potentially go on, like, a two-month, you know, national tour with them mm-hmm. the, ne- the, the next week. Um, and so I got there. The auditions went well, um, but I think it was just a matter of time, and I was also uh, up against... Their their brother, um, one of the brothers members who they were had played with, and they were a little bit more confident, just that he knew the songs. You know, they've played with him before, and you know, to embark on a long tour like that, they they just wanted to be a hundred percent, you know, certain and not have any sort of doubts about anything. Sure. So I wound up coming back and. You know, I was pretty bummed because I, I wanted that gig real bad. Uh, those guys are, their music is really good, really great stuff, and they were really cool and uh, fun to hang out with. Um, but so I came home and I started taking some of the pieces of songs that I have written over the years, and I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it myself, and, and that's what I did. And that's how I started Parade Grounds. A lot of the uh, the drummer 
uh, at the time, Brian Parker was uh, a friend of mine from college. We were studying at Brooklyn College together. Mm-hmm. Um, the bass player, Doug Drews, uh, him and I had been playing in various groups over a course of like four or five years prior to that. Just um, So I knew that he was a good a good person to team up with. And uh, uh, the keyboardist, Andy Emirates, uh, was my upstairs neighbor, oddly enough. And I think we just kind of started hearing each other, you know, practicing and, you know, making noise in our respective apartments. And then we started hanging out, playing video games, and <laughs> and one thing led to another, and then we were in a, you know, in a band together. That's great. Well, what kind of video games are you playing? A lot of NHL. Ooh, <laughs> hockey fan. Yeah. You know, I I have become a hockey fan, but it totally stemmed from playing this video game with with uh, Andy, uh, which was really funny because it taught me a lot about the game. Like I, sure. I actually don't really follow along uh, sports, and I never really did. I was more of the kid that liked to play sports than right. like just get obsessed with a team or something like that. I just, I don't know. I could never, you know, find myself to know every single stat about everybody, but I loved, I played all, all, all sports, uh, except hockey because it was expensive. And, uh, you know, I was a skinny kid and my parents thought I'd break my neck. So they, they wouldn't let me do that one. Uh, so it was cool. I just, but I loved playing that video game. It was like fast, fast paced. And, uh, I learned a lot. And he was a really big hockey fan. He's uh, like a diehard, you know, knows everything about the Rangers. So, and uh, started learning about the game and getting into hockey uh, for sure. But even today, like, uh, I just, I think once I started playing guitar, like, my sports and my athleticism sort of took a forever long break. <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, I, you know, when you're working so hard to, to play music, sometimes certain things fall to the back burner, I imagine. Uh, you know, as someone who grew up playing video games, the more things I take on, the more work I have to do at my day job, the more I do for my website. It's like, oh, yeah, I used to have time to play video games. You know, I know. I know. Um, it's hard to manage all of, you know, our own, like, hobbies and interests. Sure. Um, my next question is I want to chat, you know, I've, I've had a few different guests in, from the New York music scene on, and I always like to hear people's take about, performing in New York? Because I know some people love performing in New York while others find it to be difficult because of the kind of scene that's here and that there's less, it feels like there's less places to play. Do you feel like you've had a lot of luck playing live in New York or has it been difficult? Um, so playing in New York is a lot of fun, but I would say it it's hard to attract new audiences, a new audience in, in New York. Um, people are forever busy and it's really hard to kind of get people that you don't know uh, to like sit down and like walk into a place. I mean, we've had that happen and every time it does happen, you know, it's, it's great, but when you get a new fan or you sell a record or a t-shirt or something, it, it makes you feel really good when somebody other than uh, a friend is, you know, supporting what you're doing. Sure. Um, so I, I I do like playing in New York, 
but I think as a even as a band from New York or like any band, unless you're like really big um, and playing like big heavy shows, it's I don't know if it's uh, that beneficial really um, to do more than every six weeks or something. Um, except in places like the way station, you know, I I think, or, or even like Rockwood, if you could get into that, if you were into that crowd, I think people charging, you know, 10 or $12 to see a band that they don't know on a Tuesday night in a club in the city is a little absurd, you know, to, to, to be asking of, of people and it just even that breeds a weird culture of you know what am I going to go see and everything becomes a lot more you know about do I have the money to spend whereas if it was a free show or if it was like a three to five dollar cover you can probably get a handful of your friends friends and just start snowballing from there um but yeah I mean the way station is one of those places where I've always felt there no cover and that they ha- they just collect tips from the band and they make it part of the routine that usually the audio guy, James, will come around collecting tips. I feel like people are more inclined to give more, especially if they like the band, if they're not charged to cover at the door. But if oh, you're charged sure. to cover at the door, then people are like, oh, well, this better be good. I paid for it. You know? Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, definitely pay for shows and it's great to, when you go out, but I think there's just... Some of the clubs are a little too, you know, price gouging. Yeah. No, for sure. And and I feel like also that that was a culture that, at least when I was, because I've grown up in New York, I lived here my whole life. When I was in high school, I felt like it was more common to just kind of wander into a random uh, club and then be able to see a band for almost nothing. Whereas yeah. now it's like, unless you're the way station or a few other places, or you have, you're known for having bands. It's, it can be a lot more like, well, you need to sell this many tickets if you want to perform at our venue, or you need to, we need to collect this cover. And it, 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 the dynamic I feel has shifted, especially like more recently. Did you say you, you were from New York? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, so I, I am, I live in Brooklyn currently. I was born in Brooklyn and grew up in Staten Island. Um, cool. I lived in Staten Island um, from when I was three until I was dating myself a bit, but in my mid-twenties. Then um, I met my wife three years ago, and uh, I moved in shortly after that, and uh, and so I've lived in Brooklyn since. But, yeah, I've been in New York my whole life, and uh, I think that – I think something that was interesting to me about Staten Island is growing up, like, even though – I didn't love being on Staten Island. There was also seemed to be there seemed to be a strong local music scene. Like I was friends with tons of bands. There were mm-hmm. summer concerts, and I mean it could be that those things are still happening now, and I just don't know about them as much. But I feel like there's less of those like free evening concert series over the summer. Like I just besides Prospect Park and what they do, I just I feel like there's not as much free music out there in the world. Yeah, I I, I also grew up in New York, so. It's- fun to meet other people that have... Where where in New York did you grow up? I grew up in Queens in a neighborhood called Howard Beach, which Mm -hmm. is like, uh, I guess, pretty south Queens, right near the Rockaways, just on the other side of the Cross Bay Bridge. 
so I grew up there. Uh, I went to high school at the High School of Art and Design in Manhattan. And so when I was like, you know, 14 years old, I was stumbling around the city and trying to find my way around and figure things out. So it was, it was a fun time and things have definitely, definitely changed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Did you find that when you were like in high school, Queens had a lot of live music that you could go see? Not in my neighborhood. Not really. I mean, I remember like my high school band, we played a lot at this club called the Voodoo Lounge on Bell Boulevard. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever heard of it. I, I was have, going. Yeah. I was, oh, you have? You heard it? You know, played? Yeah. So we used to play there, like, a bunch. Um, and I was going through some of my old uh, stuff at my parents' house a couple of weeks ago, trying to clear out, you know, so I could bring some new stuff there. And <laughs> found an old flyer. And I guess, and I don't recall this, but um, just because my memory is shot, but we like opened up for Quiet Riot one night at <laughs> what? Yeah, at the Voodoo Lounge. And I was like, what the hell? These guys like it was probably like 1999 or 1998 or something like that. I was like, you know, 15. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Like, I mean, and by the late 90s, early 2000s, Quiet Riot, while still around, was not the did not have the same presence they had in the 80s, for sure. No, no. I mean, not at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. But it was, yeah, so we played, like, places like that when we were kids, or in um, the Lion's Den uh, on Sullivan Street. Uh, we got to play CBs a couple of times. CBGBs, oh, cool. Which was, yeah, yeah that, was, that was awesome. I mean, it sounded so good in there. Um, oh yeah. Have you been? You've been to yeah. the show there. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't get to go very many times, but the couple times I went, it was just there was there was definitely no other venue like it. It just had the perfect acoustics for a rock show. Like yeah. there was just nothing like it. Yeah, it was it was so good, and it's really like and now to walk past it and see like a pair of two hundred dollar jeans, if not more. It's yeah. Uh, but you know, things change. I, things definitely do change, and I think even the situation in, like, live music is changing. I mean, uh, I play in a couple of other groups, and uh, one of the groups I play in is Dizzy Bats. It's, like, a punk punk outfit. And we play a lot of basements and house parties and, like, living rooms. Um, and there, there are people out there, like, looking for for music and different and different outlets to see it. So that's pretty cool. Parade Grounds did a living room show over the summer, which was, was fun. It was really cool to do that. And intimate, you know, and scary. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. it's the thing that, like, I've heard a lot of... So I have some connections in the folk, indie folk scene a little bit because my wife plays in an Irish rock group called The Wasties. Um, they're yeah. regulars at The Way Station. And so through them, I've met other folk groups and they played steampunk and some other places. And house shows are hugely popular with those groups. And there was a collection of bands that, that my wife's band was friends with that were asked to play a summer party somewhere in upstate New York. And it was literally just, you know, a, 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 someone's giant house on a lake with like a stage and a bunch of bands played. And it was, it was really cool. You know, there was only awesome. probably like 30 or 40 people there, or maybe less, maybe like 20 or 30, but it was just, you know, people were there to hang out, relax and hear some good music. And it was a pretty, pretty chill kind of show, which was neat. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun and beautiful, I'm sure. The Wasties yeah. are great as well. I think we've got to share a couple of 
Thursday. It's Thursday night, right? Is that the Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. They do the share. third Thursday of every month. Yeah, we got to share a couple of Thursdays with them, and it's always a great night. Yeah, um, they yeah. they've been regulars at the way station pretty much since the band started, and um, they've started to branch out a bit. But it's always fun. I always look forward to when they play St. Patrick's Day because that's always since they're Irish, an Irish band, mm-hmm. that's that's their night, and so they play a double set, and it's just it's drinking and, and dancing and fun. You know, I I find as I get older, you know, when I look to music, um. When I look to music to listen to on my on Spotify or on my iPod, you know, I I tend to branch out to all different kinds of genres. But when I'm in a bar scene or a live setting, I much prefer rock or 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 punk or folk, like stuff that's going to get you moving and that's going to kind of you know give you energy. You mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah, I totally understand that. You know, not that I don't like other. Forms of music. I feel like it's not even forms of music, but any music that gets me energized is the kind of live show I want to see. Like I, I've been to some live shows where the band is kind of just standing there and they don't really do anything and they don't interact with the audience. And it's like it's a drag. You know, you want you want the band to be having fun because then you'll have fun. Yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes that's a challenge for the band too. Sure. Um, but it's definitely more. It's it's fun for the band when they can actually have a good time when they're having a good time on stage together. Uh, and I think that comes across to the, to the audience and it makes it a very fun, fun evening and something that people want to watch. They don't want to watch a bunch of people doing fucking mopes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, um, what is next for Parade Grounds in 2016? Are you guys working on a full length to put out? Um, next for Parade Grounds, I'm put out a couple of videos. 2016 is going to be, uh, I, I would like it to be busy, but it might be a little quiet. I just had a baby. So, oh, congratulations. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm really wanting to sit down and workshop a bunch of new tunes so that like maybe by the summer I could put out a nice, just have, even if it's another EP and like small releases here and there, um, but I kind of am ready to sort of reinvent uh, parade grounds. That makes sense. I mean, also in the digital market now, it's way more common for bands to put out small pieces, either single songs or small EPs instead of full albums, because since there's that kind of accessibility between for word of mouth on social media. There's no real pressure to put out a full album because you can just release music as you create it and get it out there. And so I think that's an interesting kind of new model with the Internet uh, culture. Do you feel like um, any success and stuff and and the way that your band's kind of grown is through, like, do you believe that social media helps that? Uh, Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I really like touring more personally. I think mm-hmm. that we found we found some good, honest uh fans that way. Sure. Um but yeah, social media definitely helps. Uh it's fun to get to connect with people and like share your you know, your content and your output with with a, a fan base and then have them interact and hopefully share it. And I've tried to do a couple of sort of like uh you know, find our our name tagged on the street and post it and, you know, get a free album at the next show and things of that nature. And sometimes that 
you know, sometimes it goes better than other times, but. Sure. It's yeah. kind of hard to predict that beast also, whereas at a live show face-to-face, you're meeting people, and, and odds are they're not going to come up to you and tell you you suck. Like, odds are if they want to talk to you, it's because they like what you do. Right. Um, I mean, I found my strongest connections. Like, I mean, the way me and you connected was I came up to you after you guys played at the way station, and I gave you my card, and then you reached out. And it's, you know, I feel like those kind of connections are more memorable in the music scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, where social media can be kind of fleeting, which I totally understand. Yeah, I mean, everything happens so quickly on social media. You know, if you're not uh, active every, you know, two and a half hours, you know, there's another, there's another story. No, for sure, yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's something where, like, for my website, I post one podcast every week and then another podcast every two weeks. And it, it, right now we're kind of revamping the site, so we're not writing as many articles. And I find that, less and less people are seeing our posts because we're not posting something every day. Whereas mm-hmm. other websites and web comics, like I have a friend who started a web comic and uh, he started way after I started my website. And within two weeks, he had twice as many Facebook likes because it's quick, digestible and posted regularly. And that's kind of, I feel like how you get somewhere in social media. If you don't have viral stuff to put out there, people can kind of fall into obscurity. Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like even in the last, like since parade grounds has, you know, been a thing, uh, like the Facebook model has has changed because I have definitely, you know, made a number of posts and you know, talked to my fiance and she's like, I didn't see that, and she's definitely, you know, a fan of the page and a fan sure. of, of of our music and. It's it's weird. I don't know what algorithms they're using. And then when they went to the paid ads versus, you know, just the other post, like just you can post anything and how do you want to promote it? Uh, I mean, that does make a difference. And it's like made a difference in the way things are, I think, appearing in, on people's feeds now. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely noticeable. <clears throat> I mean, I keep getting asked constantly if I want to do paid advertising for fast clothes and it's like, sure, but there's not even proof that the paid advertising is working as much yeah. anymore because of the algorithms, and so I'm hesitant. I find that there's more transparency on Twitter because at least with Twitter, they promote stuff, but more or less the feed is the feed. If someone's following you, they have a chance mm-hmm. to see it, whereas on Facebook, they kind of control what populates on people's news feeds. Right. Yeah, I've never figured Twitter out. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where Twitter for me at first was very complicated when I tried to create like a personal Twitter for my for myself. But then once I started working more on crash cords and created a Twitter for crash cords, I'm actually on that more because at least I have kind of a theme for that. I retweet important music news, I tweet about music and songs and bands. Whereas like on my personal Twitter, I have no idea what nobody cares what I have to say really. Like I don't I don't have enough followers. You know, at least with, with Crash Chords, I'm speaking on behalf of the site and, you know, I'm putting music out there and I love sharing that stuff. But for me personally, it's like, yeah, I had eggs for breakfast. Like, nobody cares. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's a unique animal. The, the only thing I do really like about Twitter that I've learned is it's very transparent. If you use the right hashtag and you post something then a, and a few people get a hold of it, then it can spread um, pretty organically. Whereas on Facebook, sharing stuff, it kind of once someone shares what you shared, it disappears. You don't you don't right. see the chain anymore. You can't see who tweeted what, who who shared what. 
I have been liking Instagram I, a lot. I think that is a nice uh, platform, and um, I think we get a lot of it. Like happened overnight too. Like we get a lot more attention on on Instagram, and they like follow those posts. Um, I guess I don't know why, but they did, and that was that was a lot of fun, and I like being able to promote things that way. I think it's just like strictly image oriented, a little bit sure. of information and um yeah, it's turned out to be I think favorable for us in terms of even getting some people to come out to shows and stuff. Yeah. No, yeah, Instagram, I mean I guess it's that immediate response because you see an image so you immediately react. You either like mm-hmm. it or you don't. There's not much to process. The unfortunate truth is when running a website that's primarily running with podcasts that's a visual medium and podcasts don't work so well on Instagram. Um, and I'm yeah, still wonder, trying to figure out, I'm still trying to figure out how the hell Tumblr works. Like we have a Tumblr also, and that I just let it repost our articles beyond that. I, I have no idea what to do with that. I wonder if you could like post up, um, especially with like the, like the little videos on, on Instagram. Like if you like clip together, um, like a 15 second clip of who, who, whoever you're interviewing with like a couple pictures of them or sort of like a, a gift that I don't know that like, that's not a bad idea that's that's actually I mean yeah we we would for a while we were uploading our podcast because uh, we do two shows I have my interview show which is what we're recording now and then a weekly um, album review show that I do with two co-hosts and every so often we'll bring a guest on that bring music and we review albums every week and it's just one of those things where we used to post the whole interview at length with a still image on youtube so people mm-hmm. could listen on youtube but i kind of stopped doing that because it wasn't getting many views and i feel like most people if they're going to listen to a podcast and they want to stream it they're going to go to stitcher now they're not going to even go to youtube to stream something um so but uh, but that's not a bad idea, putting together kind of like a clip show of interviews and then putting that on Instagram and drive it, try and drive it to the website. That's not a terrible idea. Yeah, take that one. That one's free. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. When, when we hit it big because of that one idea, I'll be sure to give, give you a thank you. Maybe I'll send you a check, too. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so I was going to ask one of my – Follow-up questions was going to be what you do in your downtime when you're not writing music or working on music. But seeing as you just told me you just had a kid, my guess is taking care of your child is Uh, pretty much what you do. That is uh, a lot of what I do in my downtime. The downtime is few and far between these days. Um, I, I teach guitar lessons. I have some, you know, a handful of private students. Um, up until last year, I was a, a public school teacher, a music, uh, music teacher for, I taught like pre-K through first grade last year. The year before that, I was teaching uh, middle school. And, um, and then I had my, my son, his name is River, and unfortunately, this yeah, thank you. Unfortunately, I haven't. The, the jobs that I got as a music teacher were always um, sort of like part time, full time, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. They'd hire me as sort of a permanent sub, um, 
But so like last year I was working three days a week and then they were also not going to be able to bring me on for more than that in the coming, like this school year. Uh, and then we found that we were pregnant and, you know, I could work three days a week and then I could hire somebody to watch my son three days a week. And then I basically take all of the money I just made and give it away to somebody just to watch my kid where I right. can, I might as well just stay. Oh, sorry, I just pulled you out of my headphones. It's all right. You know, I might as well just stay home and, and raise my son. Because that was something, you know, my mom was, you know, more or less a stay-at-home mom and, mm-hmm. and, raised, and raised me and my, and my two brothers. Uh, and there's something nice about having a parent around. And I, I don't want to miss things, you know, that yeah. you just, like all the like, little changes that happen every other day. And um, so it was important for me that somebody be home and my fiancé has a much more stable job uh, than I do, than I did. And um, I don't mind working out for bartends and I don't mind working at night you know, doing those sorts of things so that somebody could be home with him, you know, more so than not. Sure. No, that that makes sense. Yeah, I've I've not had any children myself yet. Me and my wife have not yet. But a lot of my friends have, and whenever we talk about that kind of stuff, the first thing to go is whatever hobby you did once in a while, you do even less. Because, you know, you're spending a lot of time with, with your child, which which it, makes complete sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it is difficult. Um and that's been a challenge, just like even having, you know, because being creative isn't something where you just like sit down and you're automatically creative and you're going to sure. write the next best song. Like you could be, you know, I could be sitting in my room and like diddling around at my guitar for an hour and a half before I come up with something that I think is interesting. And then I, then it's another hour and a half after that before I even figure out how, it, how that part works. Sure. Um, but it's been kind of fun, you know, every so often I get to sit him down in like his little swing chair and play guitar for him and, um, you know, practice and work on some stuff. And he seems to like it. And we'll see what happens when he, when he grows up. Hopefully he's soaking this in now. Sure, yeah. I mean, right now you have to assume he likes it, but eventually he'll be able to tell you whether he likes it or not. Yeah, he really does. His uh, favorite song is uh, Happy Together. Oh, like, great. I started playing it for him one day. I was like on the on the ukulele. And now he could be crying. And if I just start singing like the first few notes of that tune, he just stops and like immediately smiles and it's like brings him to, to a happy place, which is a good feeling. That's so, awesome. That's a nice yeah. trick to keep in your pocket from now yeah. on. So, yeah. you know. You come home at night one day, he's crying all night, your your fiance is losing her mind, and you walk in and just start singing and go, there you go, all done. Yeah, yeah. So it is pretty cool. Uh, that's that's awesome. Um, do you think your music writing will change now that you have a child? Do you think it will affect how you write or what you write about? Um, for sure. I mean, a, a lot of my songs are... Like pickup songs. I guess that first, my first record was pretty much like all uh, breakup material, mm-hmm. and, and now, and then 
there's a song about my grandmother uh, on the first record, and then to counter that, there was a song about my grandfather on the new EP. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, um, I'd like to try to go a little bit more, I don't know, I don't want to be so connected to like writing about relationships and and girls. I, I'm not the Beach Boys. I wish I was, um, <laughs> because they're they're great. And I do really like those sort of like bubblegummy fun songs. Um, but I would like to try to take what I'm going through right now because it's re- it's actually really difficult being a, being a parent, being a dad, and changing. It really like puts a lot of things in perspective and. There's a lot of good, um, juicy, you know, emotions that that I'm go that I'm experiencing that I would like to to write about and you know share because not everybody not everybody shares you know some of the things that aren't so lovable and enjoyable about having a kid. Oh, for sure. No, I'm I'm sure it's not all perfect all the time. Very few things are so. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't sound uh, surprising to me at all. Um, inquiring a little more about your your writing, um, I'm curious when writing music, since especially you were saying at one point you were fed up enough to kind of try and do everything yourself and at least to figure out all the writing. Um, do you find when you write music that the idea or lyrics come first, or do you start with a melody or, or a tune and then kind of write lyrics for it? Or does it change from song to song? Um no, usually what the, my writing process is I kind of sit down uh, with my guitar and I'll start sh- strumming around or I'll have like a sort of tempo or like I hear drums a lot first, but I'm not mm-hmm. a, I'm not a very good drummer, but I can kind of I can give a drummer an idea of what I'm I'm trying to express. So just like sitting down, I I can kind of hear a drum beat in my head. And then I'll start, you know, playing along to that. And and then if I find, like, a progression or something that I like or a sort of just, like, a feel that I can create on the guitar, then I start, you know, mumbling. And I'll write a verse and I'll, like, kind of come up with, uh, you know, the verse structure. And then I might wind up for that day singing the same, you know, four or eight lines just over and over again to kind of build the structure of the song. Um, and then after I have that, I'll come back and then, you know, maybe away from my instrument, kind of sit down and be like, what was that first verse even about? And what is the song going to be about? And then kind of take it from there. Awesome. Um, do you find that when writing songs, um, you ever get stuck? Have there ever been songs that you've worked on and then you just get to a point where you feel like there's nothing else you can do with it, you can't finish it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's so frustrating. There's probably like a record's worth of, of like half songs that, you know, that we've like workshopped and we're just like trying so hard to to get somewhere with it and, and it it's just, it's, you're just like beating a dead horse. It's like you don't know what to do with it. But um, it, it, then you might come back to it in a couple of years. You know, it might like pop up again when you're playing the guitar and just kind of fucking around. Um, and then you'll have another part for it. Or for some reason, you can just seamlessly find what to do next. But it, you know, 
it took a year or two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You you touched on a little bit earlier about how you like touring and how you like playing on tour. Um, Is there a favorite place you visited, like a place that you felt had like a really thriving music scene that you really enjoyed going to? Uh, Yeah, let me... Let me think back. I think I had a really great time in Charlotte, um, North Carolina. Yeah, that place. We played at a place called the Evening Muse there. Um, and they host this uh, open mic on Mondays. And we're trying mm-hmm. to book, you know, fill up most of our dates. And Monday is a sort of undesirable night for a show. But these guys have a really vibrant scene down there. And it's like, North of Davidson, I guess it's like called NODA or something is the, the acronym for it. And mm-hmm. man, everybody there was so nice and the place was filled with, you know, spectators, you know, people just like audience members and then like tons of musicians. Um, so it was a really cool atmosphere uh, to, to be a part of. And, you know, they had us being the touring act as their featured artists and, you know, we were able to set up and have like a proper, we, we have a 30 minute set, you know, as opposed to like the two songs that oh, cool. other people, other people would get. And it was, you know, beautiful stage, did like our sound check and it was, it was really great. The South was, was awesome. And people are, yeah. people really like music outside of, outside of this. I mean, every, they like music everywhere, but I guess there's a difference um, you know, when you're playing in Knoxville, Tennessee, like they come for the first band, but then they stay and they drink the rest of the night at that bar and watch all the other bands. Right. Which is a is a good thing. And that was kind of my, you know, thing with New York is, you know, your friends will be on at 7.30. You'll come, you'll see them, you'll have a beer. And then as soon as they're done, you're you're gone and you're off to do the next thing. But there might be a band at 10 o'clock that's really cool and, you know, worth sticking around for. But people are moving so quickly in uh, in New York that I think we miss a lot of things. So. Yeah, I've, I've, no- I've noticed that for sure. I feel like, I feel like the way station is a rare place where, a lot of people come for the a lot, like if a large group comes from the for the first band, then maybe half of the people will linger and stick around, which is probably more than any other venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I find for me, what actually made me more inclined to stick around and listen to music is if I was going to the bar the bar just to drink, I you know I I would be more interested in drinking than whatever music. But now that I'm not currently drinking anymore, I'll go to a bar and since I have to take in my surroundings, I'm not numbing anything. Like I'll pay close attention to the to the bands, and after, for example, if my wife's band's playing, once they come off stage, I'll say, "All right, well, let's see what this next band comes mm-hmm. to." I think it's also different for me because I'm married to a musician and an actress, so I don't snub. I never snubbed artists, but now I'm even less inclined to snub artists because you know I live with one, and so and you, you know how hard it is and how hard we're working. Yeah, for sure. I mean, also yeah. at this point, I've been running my my website and my podcast long enough to also know that. Um, you know, I used to, every once in a while music at one point, I used to download TV shows illegally. 
Um, don't come after me, police, if you're listening. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, now it's one of those things where because I'm entrenched in the industry, either through friendships or, you know, my own investment, I'm less likely to do any of that. You know, we I used to illegally download Doctor Who every week because I just I didn't have cable. Now, now, now me and my wife buy it on iTunes because she's an actress and I don't want someone illegally downloading her episode. I want them yeah. to pay for it. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of a thing. And it, it gives you perspective as you get older. Also, as a kid, you have no actual barometer for what's sort of what stealing media really means. Whereas yeah. an adult, you know kind of how, how and who it impacts, especially if you know someone who's in the industry or, or you know, are in the industry yourself. Absolutely. Um, it's why I like sites like Bandcamp um, and the fact that they exist is kind of really awesome because they're super accessible for people who want to get to music and hear it and download it, but don't necessarily want to use iTunes because it used to be that was the only thing. You know, now it's a, a great indie site for people to go to if they want to pick up music, which I think is is really awesome and then has kind of helped the kind of online music culture. Yeah, I like I like Bandcamp a lot. It's nice and kind of uh, easy, easily set up for artists to be able to kind of uh, view and uh, keep track of what's going on and like how people are interacting with it. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's really neat. Like when I buy an album on Bandcamp, I can then put what my favorite track is and then talk a little bit about it. And then whenever people go to that band's page, they'll see a bunch of those reviews. I think. You know, reviews on on bigger sites kind of get buried, but this feels more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, so I imagine since you just had a kid, you're not going on tour anytime soon. But is there a place that you really want to go to to play that you've maybe not been yet that you're really looking forward to trying and visiting when next time you go on tour? I would love to go to Chicago. Yeah, never we we haven't been there, and I, I've. Met a lot of really great people and friends that just, you know, talk nothing but good stuff about Chicago. And I would love to to check out that scene. And I kind of always wanted to go there as a kid. When I was in high school, I really didn't want to go to college. And I just wanted to go to Chicago and play the blues. I don't know. I did, I did, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it sounds like it's a good, as good a reason as any to go uh, yeah, I mean, I did. I was like, you know, seventeen. I had no idea. Like, I didn't know my ass from my elbow. But I was playing the guitar, and that's like the only thing I really want to do. And um, Chicago was definitely on my radar. I loved all the Chicago blues coming, that like from like the fifties and forties and stuff that was getting tossed my way. I really got a liking to that stuff and wanted to check that out. So Chicago is some a market that I would love to check out with parade grounds. Awesome. Um, before we wrap up, is there anyone listening who has not heard you guys yet and heard heard uh, a Parade Grounds to direct them to? Besides ParadeGrounds.com, of course. Is there anything else you want them to check out? What were the? You said you um, just recently posted some new videos. What were those videos for? Uh, so ParadeGroundsMusic.com is our mm-hmm. is our like main website, and then we have our Bandcamp. We have a Tumblr. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it's at Parade Grounds. Um, and we just put out at the like the end of the summer, like July, August, we put out a a music video for The Wait, which was a lot of fun to shoot and crazy. Um, I had to 
craft a bunch of these cardboard TVs, uh, which was, was fun. Um, and then uh, these guys that I worked with from uh, Columbia students, uh, grad students, and they uh, shot the video for us and had me running all over the city um, to kind of create the concept for the video. I'll let you watch it. I won't give it give too much of it away, okay. um, which was, was fun. And then we put out another video for a song called Lost and Alone, which is the second track on the new EP. Um, and some friends, they have this app called Video Maker. It's um, VD, VDOMKR, Video Maker. And I guess this app is like you, they, they, they hook you up and it's like sort of a, a group of people where you can have a project and you can find somebody that could do it at a affordable price and, you know, you, it really like taps you into, um, like the, the editors, uh, like, you know, video editors and videographers that can help, you know, take some of your video that you shot and then turn it into an actual project, uh, which is kind of a cool little network that they're creating. Um, so we did like a little promo spot for them, and uh, in return, they shot they kind of they shot our show a release a release party and sort of montaged a video together with uh, Lost and Alone. And I think next for me, I was plan I wanted to release three videos, like a video for each song on the EP, and I have a bunch of footage that I shot over the summer um, that I'm planning on taking my first stab at, you know, doing some video editing myself and seeing what kind of monstrosity I can put together with, um, for ends of them, the last song on the, on the repeat. So hopefully in the next couple of months, I can pull that together and have that up on the web. Very cool. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you definitely still have your hands full between a new child and and the future of uh, Parade Ground. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, do you have another date at the way station lined up that you can announce? I don't. Nothing, nothing as of yet. I think, unfortunately, we're just a slight, slight hiatus, and then we'll be coming back. We just did a gig at a Mercury Lounge and cool. uh, a couple, couple of weeks ago, and probably in, I'd say, like, maybe early March, you can expect to see us again. Great. Awesome. Well, Jared, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, this episode will air two weeks from this coming Tuesday, so three weeks from today, actually. Um, and uh, I'll be sure to shoot you the link once it's live on the site. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's been fun, and thanks for doing what you do. Oh, thank you, and uh, uh, good luck being a new dad. Um, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you at a show at some point in the future. Uh, sounds good. All right, take care, man. Uh, you too. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.